it, it used to be if you didn't do things right in a store, a customer's cost to change was driving perhaps further to another store in an e-commerce type transaction. The cost of change is the movement of a thumb. Excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality. These are the values the Sam M. Walton College of Business explores in education, business, and the lives of people we meet every day. I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Walton College, and welcome to the Be Epic Podcast. I have with me today Tracy Rosser, who has an incredible background in uh, logistics and supply chain management. He recently was executive vice president of operations at Uber Freight. Uh, he was with Walmart for 22 years and a number of roles, including senior vice president of transportation and supply chain. Uh, but he's been involved in supply chain, operations, distribution, transportation, and other things. He was actually even earlier in his career, uh, the general manager of a Walmart distribution center, which is a huge, huge job. And he is currently a strategic advisor for a private equity firm known as New Road Capital Partners. Some of you may have heard uh, earlier podcasts with Cleet Brewer, uh, one of the founders of New Road. It's a really amazing private equity firm that combines uh, both, you know, investor partners with operating partners. And so they get people uh, with lots of investment, investing experience and expertise, but also people with lots of operating experience. Thank you so much, uh, Tracy, for joining me today. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for having me, Matt. You know, um, Tracy, you have an incredible uh, background. And there's a couple of things I want to make sure I talk about with you today. One is your learnings from COVID. And two is supply chain resiliency. I know there are two things that you have learned a lot about and have a lot of thoughts on. But before we get into that, if you wouldn't mind, let's talk a little bit about your experiences um, in logistics and in uh, operations and supply chain. And if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to go back to your role managing a Walmart distribution center, which is a huge responsibility. So would you mind talking about that a little bit? Sure, Matt. Um, so I'll, I'll drop back very quickly for a little bit of context prior to that uh, general manager time. Um, so I spent nine years right out of college in the truckload sector and uh, in truckload transportation, um, did, did, you know, doing dispatch work, customer service work, and then on the commercial side and operations side. And then that was kind of my entree into Walmart. And I worked in the private fleet for a little bit at, uh, at Walmart. And then uh, was asked uh, to go learn how to run a distribution center. And so I went through a, a crash course training at Warehouse 8 here in Bentonville um, and then uh, off to Lawrence, South Carolina. And it was really interesting, Matt, because throughout my career up to that point, um, I had been engaged with truck drivers in the trucking business and the fleet. And so I was always supporting a group that was very mobile and not at the office at the same time. 
And so with the Walmart fleet, I had, I think it was like 12, 1500 drivers that, uh, that was responsible for maintenance facilities that are in the Western half of the U S and then all of a sudden in Lawrence, South Carolina, I show up and there's, you know, there's 900, 1200 people within the four walls of the building that, uh, that, that you were responsible for supporting every day. And so that was probably the biggest change was, uh, you know, leading a group of people that you had to look in the eye and be accountable to um, on a daily basis. And then uh, knowing that everybody there knew more about the operation than you did. <laughs> and so it didn't matter who they were. Uh, they knew more about the business than I did. And so um, I had a lot of great teachers from forklift drivers and unloaders to managers um, who were really patient and taught me a lot about the business. Uh, but it was a great, great learning. Uh, so did that at the Fashion Distribution Center. And then uh, also we had a, uh, and this was all under one roof, and it was the only building like it that Walmart had, Matt. And uh, it was, I think, 2.1, 2 2.2 million square feet. And uh, there was a regional distribution center on the other side of the firewall. It's warehouse 14 and 15. And so then I had responsibility for both of those over time. I can imagine you uh, learned a lot about just the operations of um, a, where, a distribution center as well as managing people of all different types. But you also, of course, uh, have experience in Early in your career at Walmart, you also were responsible for uh, inbound U.S. transportation operations. That uh, that hit more close to home in terms of what I was really uh, familiar with in terms of the, the inbound transportation side of the business. And so in that role, I supported all the inbound flows to the Walmart distribution centers. And so it was really, really nice having the trucking experience and then the warehousing experience because I could kind of tie the two together and and understand how those pieces really fit well together to, to achieve overall success. And that's where I really got to know Walmart really, really well um, because everybody in the company was a customer on the, on the transportation side. And so we purchased all the transportation needs for the company. Uh, my team did, both domestic and international, and um, on the inbound flows. And so, because everybody was a customer, those, uh, and that's kind of where I've always started my my work is trying to understand what customer needs are, both internal and external. And it was great. It was great learning about the merchandising side of the business in a different way because the merchants were my customers. Uh, the vendors were my customers, and then we worked and established what I thought was really great relationships with carrier communities across all modes um, to really help inform them of what our needs were um, and develop some great relationships that, uh, that you know, met the day-to-day -day business needs, but also really helped us uh, through some very, very critical times, whether it was, you know, port strikes or hurricanes or, you know, just any type of disruption. Um, but the other fun thing, Matt, was that I learned a lot about, you know, the, the network engineering and how important um, the engineering side of the business was, uh, how important uh, optimization capabilities were. 
um, you know, not only support the growth of the company, but do so in a way that uh, met the needs of, of the company and having a, a network that really drove best in stock, best freshness and lowest landing cost. So um, that's where I really learned a whole lot about the, uh, the company and how the company really worked was um, on a broader scale was supporting that uh, that inbound business. So, as you said, heading up inbound transportation, you learned a lot about the company because you had to deal with so many people that were needing um, transportation services. Then you shifted gears again, no pun intended, <laughs> but it's a big shift um, where you went into store operations. Sure, um, Matt, it, it was a big shift. Uh, what I knew about store operations at that point, A, being a customer and, and shopping Walmart stores, and then B, everything you learn through um, osmosis of the Walmart system. To me, this was like really putting the bow on supply chain because stores, in my mind, the the way that that I thought about them is they were another point of distribution or another part of the supply chain. Uh, but to me, this is the most important piece of the supply chain, and it's where the supply chain actually starts. And then that and then what are your commitments to the customer that then define how the supply chain should function. And so I kind of learned that you had to work backwards in um, in terms of, of really designing a supply chain. And it also, you know, held held true from a freshness standpoint because we were, you know, at that point in time, um, it, you know, we were a pretty big grocery operation, and so most of my stores were super centers. And uh, and again, um, I went into that that business with it with literally, you know, hardly any training, um, and I was the benefactor of a, a lot of really patient. Uh, department managers, store managers, market managers, um, regional vice presidents that really, really taught me a lot. And I learned a lot from customers also because we we made a lot of changes during that time. And, uh, and the customers would let you know it. And the customers knew price like the back of their hand. Uh, and if you change price a penny, they would tell you. And <laughs> so... Uh, and so, and our store associates would hold hold us very accountable. Matt, I tell you, it was probably um, the most valuable experience I had in my time at Walmart. Wow, that's so interesting. I've heard other people say that in all different areas uh, of of Walmart. Well, and and then you know, as as senior vice president of operations, you will you were responsible for over three hundred stores multi-format stores and uh, over 20 billion in annual revenue and 90,000 associates. That's a, that's a big responsibility. That's uh that's bigger than most, you know, fortune 500 companies. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, I, but boy, you, the, you know, not only what you learn about the, you know, your internal operations, but also the communities, because everybody's highly engaged in the communities. You know, your stores are part of the community and um, just the, the expectations that that communities have of, of a Walmart store, um, whether it's on a micro basis or macro basis. Um, so the, um, the internal 
factors of driving sales and profitability for the company and doing it right, um, but also the external factor as well, which I didn't think as much about going into the job. It's interesting, five years in distribution, five years in transportation, five years in store operations. I would guess the next one would be for five years, but it wasn't, it was longer, uh, six years. And that is senior vice president of transportation and supply chain. And so during that time, you were managing global transportation, domestic transportation, the Walmart private fleet, which is enormous, and um, last mile slash home delivery, uh, merchandising supply chain services. What a big operation. Would you mind speaking to a little bit about how that combination of distribution, transportation, and operations played into your ability to uh, do that, uh, conduct that job well. Yeah, in Matt, you know, I was really fortunate to have that role. And, um, and really, it was a culmination. It was like when everything kind of came together, um, because of having truckload experience, uh, you know, prior to Walmart, a little bit of the Walmart private fleet experience, then the inbound and the distribution centers and then the stores, and the time with customers. Um, I really went into that job uh, with a lens that was vastly different um, than had I not gone to the stores. Um, I had a total view of what is it that we need to do to, to fuel um, in stock and price because I had seen firsthand how valuable that was. And I had walked enough competitors to know what competitors were doing in the marketplace. And I really, really got a sense of what was important to our customers and our people. And so um, the lens that I looked at was um, how do we serve the customer in the way that they deserve to be served that's consistent with the brand and in uh, what we were trying to do as a, corp a corporation. And then also serve the people and really remove hurdles so that our people can just get the job done and, and empower our people and give them the tools to get the job done um, and, and then stay out of their way. And, you know, I was playing around with Last Mile um, and had the Last Mile team and Sam Bruno had responsibility for that. Um, and we were just testing and learning a lot of stuff. Like, I mean, we were just throwing mud against the wall really trying to figure out how we get our cost per unit uh, down on, on final mile delivery. And so we were really playing around a lot in the sandbox. And, and um, now that has become more perfected and it's grown. And so now the number of deliveries um, are significantly greater than I, when I was there, just, just because of the sheer number of home deliveries. Well, you know, um E-commerce in general, not just Walmart, but in general, is so huge now. And reverse logistics, dealing mm -hmm. with the returns, has become a really big problem in industry in general because uh, the policies are so liberal around taking returns. I can't remember. I, I want to think I read somewhere that 30% of products are returned that are bought through e-commerce, something like that. Shoppers don't often know how 
challenging it is and all the costs involved in reverse logistics. What, what do you think about that? If the Rosser household is any uh, barometer of returns, <laughs> I would say it's, it's probably 50%. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I'll tell you what, it is the returns network, and, and I mean this with all due respect, it is like, and this held true, like I got to see it first and foremost, because again, in that purchasing transportation standpoint, we had to move all the returns and we had to engineer a return network. And there's so much cost that's there. Um, again, I, it's it's typically, and it's funny you bring it up, it is one of the, and I still think it's like one of the most ignored pieces of the business. It is a discipline that, that needs more focus, to be quite candid with you, because of the, all the cost and all the waste, if, if it doesn't happen right, um, can be just huge dollars of low-hanging fruit to go get. Well, you know, I, I wasn't planning on bringing it up in this conversation, but I had just read something in the Wall Street Journal about the, this. Of course, I, I've, I've been aware of it for a long time. At any rate, um, I want to shift gears a minute here. You, you're a astute uh, leader. You pay attention to and you reflect on what you're experiencing and you read a lot. I would love to know. What did you learn from COVID? Wow. Okay, so we'll get into uh, into the into my last role, Matt. Um, so I had left Walmart and had the really good fortune of meeting Frank McGuigan, who was the CEO of Transplace, um, which was founded here in Northwest Arkansas. So I had responsibility for all the operations. Frank had just taken over as CEO, and um, and so I I had the the good fortune of having responsibility for the operations of the, of the managed transportation business. And the managed a lot of people I think Transplace is one of the best kept secrets in in all of all of logistics. Um, at the time when I went there, I think we had about seven, seven and a half billion dollars of freight under management. And so many Fortune 100 uh, companies were Transplace's customers. It was really interesting. So I was six months into the job and I spent my first six months just out meeting customers. And so I think I had visited about 85% of our revenue. And so I was just getting to know our customers and our people, and then COVID hit. And so, and you know, we had a building here in Northwest Arkansas, and in two or three days, we were a technology company, and that was the other thing. Everybody, we had our own TMS platform, and all of our customers' ERPs connected with our TMS platform. In, gosh, probably three days, we made a decision to send everybody home. And so we were... And that was all around, you know, our full operations. So we did that. We went remote and then we started to learn. And I'll tell you, Matt, there were so many learnings from COVID. I'm going to jump to supply chain for just a minute. What happened is, is resources started to become really scarce. And so the the two biggest issues that uh, that arose was labor uh, became incredibly scarce um, at our customers' facilities, their manufacturing labor, their distribution labor, and then raw materials became scarce. Packaging became scarce. 
And then the other thing that became scarce was the supply and demand imbalance because of truck drivers became scarce. And then you had a you had a dip in demand initially, and then demand skyrocketed as people started settling in at home. So some areas demand just declined, but in other areas, you know, it just demand just escalated relative to resources that were available. And so what started happening is customers were shipping, our customers were shipping from wherever they had inventory. The network did not matter. <laughs> so because you had the Walmarts of the world and the Kroger's and Targets of the world and Costco's that needed merchandise. And so people were shipping wherever they had merchandise and their fill rates um, diminished from probably, you know, 195% fill rates, in some cases, 40% fill rates. So you had all these trucks that were running significantly greater distances with far fewer units on them. So your cost per unit was really high. Your lead times have totally changed. And so, and then the carriers networks are now disrupted. And so now you had a total hodgepodge of things happening and costs were going through the roof for our customers. Customers were starving for data because their costs were uh, escalating and they didn't know why. And so we had to go from um, really generating monthly reports or quarterly reports on people's networks to now, we, we were really seeing the need to, to run data and analytics at the daily basis, weekly basis, and rolling it up so we could show our customers what was happening in the network. And then we started to advise them on where there was waste and leakage. Uh, but the problems were so big and so complex. What I learned is, and it was fantastic because it's something that I had an insatiable appetite for in my in my previous uh, days at Walmart. And we felt like we kept our C-suite really informed. Is our customers really needed to bring a CEO to the table, a chief financial officer to the table, a chief operating officer, chief commercial officer, head of manufacturing, head of supply chain, and we had customers that really did a great job of getting those people to the table because the decisions were huge the dollars were huge customer service impacts were huge that they needed the data to make decisions that were bigger than just a chief supply chain officer and then we saw companies that didn't do a good job of that and so it was our job to help facilitate that i think if good things came out of covid it's the from a supply chain perspective, is information became more real time and data and analytics and people's understanding of the drivers of their network and cost and waste um, improved. Now, everyone's kind of aware of supply chain. You know, in economics, they say the best way to figure out the marginal benefit of something is to remove it, right? In other words, <laughs> by having problems in the supply chain it helped everyone see the the what it's doing what it's providing how critical it is to business and you know it is business really how do you think this current let's assume that you're right there's a lot more information people are paying more attention to it do you think that'll make supply chains more resilient in the future if we maintain that i i hope so and i think so 
think people learned where, where the vulnerabilities were. So I think people are shoring up vulnerabilities. And so when you do that, like Matt, we saw people that didn't have network designs uh, completed and or they didn't have the capability to re-engineer their network on the fly. So as, as there were external forces that would cause you to um, re-engineer what your network was, and that was one of the things Walmart did a phenomenal job. I mean, he had a great engine, set of engineers, great set of people, had great technology. And the what I would call the realignment process was really sound. When you, when, when you say realigned, you mean which DC serve which stores? Exactly. Um, you know, it affects your inbound flow. So there were companies that lived with significant um, suboptimal uh, networks because they didn't have the capability and the muscle to realign. And so, and everything starts with a great blueprint. So if you didn't have the great blueprint, then there was, you know, you had to figure out where the waste was. And so I'm, I, I still see that as a shortfall for, for a lot of shippers. Well, I think part of that lack on the shipper's side often is a result of just not emphasizing supply chain logistics to the point that they should. Yeah, and Matt, a couple of other things I would tell you that I think about when I think about supply chain resiliency, it's it's kind of doing things right. The, the first time gives you degrees of resiliency when there's disruption. And then the other piece that's not talked about, and I saw this where um, a lot of shippers uh, at TransPlace would own their own carrier contracts or own their own, or there would a lot of shippers had procurement um, that held a lot of weight in the procurement divisions that held a lot of weight in their companies. And so these are strategies that, that shippers have, but what they what they failed to have is um, the, the appropriate relationships with their providers. I would tell you having those relationships is incredibly important and having a strategic understanding of how you're going to work with each other when there's disruption is incredibly important. Um, and so you spend all your time working on those things when times are good so that when times aren't good, um, you know, you, you've got something in place that, that puts you in a better position than your competitors. Well, Tracy, this has been extremely insightful. Congratulations on your amazing career and journey, and really appreciate you taking time from your busy schedule to to visit with me this morning. No, it's an honor to spend time with you, Matt, and uh, appreciate the conversation. On behalf of the Sam M. Walton College of Business, I want to thank everyone for spending time with us for another engaging conversation. You can subscribe by going to your favorite podcast service and searching Be Epic, B-E-E-P-I-C. 